This is a Baby Brunch podcast. Baby Brunch, the parenting series, is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility, and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth, we let you be you. It's so important to be educated in childbirth, and there are many experts that can help us with this. One of them is Therese Van Aert. She is a childbirth educator, and what's great about her CV is, is that she's teaching a lot of young moms and dads through maternity programs, and she's done this for over 25 years. Almost two years ago, she was selected on the board of the ICEA, the International Childbirth Education Association, and she's still serving there. Doris, it's really an honor to speak to you today. Thank you so much, Alana. It's lovely being with you again and um, chatting with you over this really critical conversation right now in the midst of COVID-19. You know what's really inspiring for me? I've heard you speak at our parent and baby branches and people always have had a lot of questions to you. And today I want to extend that and talk about... I want to talk about the birthing process. I'm thinking now about when I had to give birth to the babies and how nervous, oh, the nerves, the nerves, the nerves. (laughs) But before we even get there, I want to quickly hear your story because I know that being a childbirth educator wasn't always your thing. You were almost an attorney. There was articles involved. What what made you want to educate people around childbirth? Um, Well, actually, I was in articles for a charter to be a chartered accountant and I gave birth to my first daughter and... And I ended up being a C-section and I had severe preeclampsia. I went septic after the birth and um, it frightened me afterwards when, I mean, I lay in hospital for three months. I had to have a nurse at home when I finally exited the hospital system. And it frightened me how much of my own ignorance contributed to my situation and that I was completely trusting of the medical system and didn't question or educate myself. And in those days, there wasn't sufficient information around. You know, we sort of winged it, I suppose. You know, if our mothers gave me a trip, so did we. I realized I couldn't do that. I changed career immediately and I said, I want to go out and make sure that women have as much access to information as possible. And 10 years ago, I started with maternity program. Since then, I've just focused my entire life around childbirth education and doing childbirth classes as well. I still cry to this day, you know, if I hear of a a sad story and a sad birth or, you know, I had an email this morning where parents emailed me and they said, we went through a class online through someone else who felt so judged and we felt shamed because of our birth decisions and having gone through class with you, we realized it's gathering all the information to make the right choices as parents for ourselves. And that's what's important to me and also why I love the ITA because of the compassion, care and collaboration with families in the birth of a baby. Teresa, it's so insane that most of us do our passion projects, you know, if I can call it that, or do what we do for a living because it happened to us first, you know. Thank you for for reaching out and helping every parent because of something that has happened to you. Which brings me to this. I mean, I've been dying to have this conversation with you. You learn about making a list and there's a, a birthing plan and, you know, we're ready. We've got our podcasts or iPod ready with all the music that you're going to play during the birth. And then none of it happens eventually because things change when you're in labor or when, when the baby needs to come, you know. What do I need to know in order to decide on a natural birth 
or a C-section? I mean, let's let's start there. You know what, Alana, it, it's your health conditions. What are your underlying health issues? If there's any, you know, is there any chronic ailments? Um, have you had previous reactions to medication, genetic history, plays a part, previous surgeries? And then also keep in mind that you might develop, you might be a healthy human being, but during pregnancy, you develop pregnancy-related illnesses. You know, so when you first meet with your healthcare provider, whether it be a midwife or a gynae or obstetrician, is they going to first gather all that information and, and look at how you are responding to pregnancy, your medical history, examining your pelvis for the size and shape and obviously monitoring. In an ideal situation for most women, majority of women, natural birth is, is wonderful. It's a healthier option for baby and mom than a C-section. A C-section is really there for that medical emergency. So for me, it's each and every parent's decision. And I think a parent can only make that decision once they've under, truly understood the benefits and risks of each alternative. And you can only do that by sitting down face-to-face with the midwife, sitting down with even a doula, you know, just finding out as much. I think when you engage also going in for classes, you walk away with a host of questions that you can walk in, you know, walk into your healthcare provider's rooms and say, can I ask you about the following? You know, for example, skin to skin, delayed cord clamping. I want a gentle C-section. You know, what is a gentle C-section? Um, it's a sort of dubbed name at the moment. And for each parent to make their decision based on knowing all the facts around each option and what they're going to be comfortable with as a couple. I like how you say each person is different. So we need to almost have an evaluation of your own health, your own body. And you've mentioned, to, I mean, I've had two babies. I'm a mother of four. Half of these terms that you've just mentioned, I have never even heard in my life. A gentle C-section, what? Okay, so maybe you can explain all of that now. But I remember having a book and in the book, I would write down questions and then take it to my gynae and then she'd answer them like a quick fire. You know, I would say to her, can I do this? And she'd go, not today or not now or yes, you can. What is an option? So that was very helpful. But I hear how you say each person is different and we should examine or have ourselves examined. Should we consider a, a natural birth? or a C-section for our first baby? How I know that you said have yourself examined, but is it better having a natural birth with your first baby and then have a C-section? Or what if you are really terrified of having natural birth and you want a C-section straight away and afterwards you decide, but now I want... I want natural birth. You know what? It's been, for, for me, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible here, but obviously clinical evidence shows natural birth is far better for women. Number one, your C-section has three times higher rates of complications than a natural delivery. So that needs to be taken into cognizance when a mom's, you know, deciding that of, you know, can she afford that? You know, if there is a complication during C-section, your recovery is far quicker in a natural birth, let alone all the healthy benefits from a natural birth when you want to consider it. There's microbiomes that are passed in a mom that sit in the mom's vagina and passes onto the baby that boosts the baby's gut and digestive system in the first few months that isn't achieved in a in a C-section. Latching, you know, unless you've really advocated with your healthcare provider, if you have are going for a C-section, aiming for a, a gentle C-section where you can implement all the healthy elements such as skin-to-skin immediate latching. Otherwise, moms will battle to latch. And also, it's clinically proven that children born by C-sections are at higher risk for diabetes, allergies, and asthma. So it's 
major considerations when you sit down and say, what are the side effects for me for the child on both options? And facing the fears of natural birth, it's actually sitting down, you know, the world sort of, you know, the birthing world works on this principle of fear, tension, pain. Simple example, if I tell you I'm going to give you a vitamin B injection in your buttocks and I say I'm going to do it on three, trust me, when I count one, two, three, your buttocks are so tight. <laughs> Putting that needle through is going to cause you pain. Whereas, you know, my, that's why most nurses go, we're going to do it on three and just jab you immediately and then you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. And typically in birth, you know, when we create tension through fear, we end up with pain. And that's the whole thing is just getting the mindset right, writing down the fears that you have and sitting with someone like a midwife, like a doula and working through each and every element. And understand that thousands and thousands, millions of women have given birth naturally, not once, twice, three times, six times, you know. So it's not as bad as as you think it is. (laughs) I'm getting a lot of feelings around this. And it's amazing how you've just taught me something that I I didn't know and I, I definitely didn't experience before my children. And that in order to become less fearful, you need to write down uh, your feelings or your thoughts and the things that are triggers for you. And it's and it's such a simple thing, but it's, it's so beautiful, actually, that it can actually help you. I mean, I'm also experiencing a lot of sadness because a lot of us that wants to give natural birth couldn't or we won't be able to because our bodies won't allow it. Like I, I remember being pregnant with my first baby and we reached 38 weeks and then, you know, she, she needed to come. And and we had to cut it out. And I had a prim baby with, with my second birth. And I remember the sadness around not being able to give natural birth because, you know, baby came early. You want to speak to that? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, I hate that. Um, I was a C-section and um, my second child six years later was a C-section. There is no difference in the way we love and raise our children. You know, moms have the right to ask for, and I'm, I'm loving the whole gentle sea, and it's simple things like, you know, ask to make sure that in your C-section you've got one hand free so that you're able to hold your child immediately. Ask for the EKG leads to be put on the sides of your body as opposed to on top of your chest so that you have a clear chest that your baby can be put straight onto you. You can latch immediately, delay in your cord clamping, ask for the screen to be lowered as babies extracted so you can see your own baby being birthed into the world, you know. Delaying the cord, letting dad cut the cord, you know. And that's assuming, you know, mom's, you know, doing well and everything. Everything else because you know you're still lying there for about another 35 minutes while they search her and stitch you up so let that time be a bonding time for the family you know have your music playing in the theater ward you know ask for them to dim the side lights you can ask all of these things ask for a slower delivery of the baby you know as they extract baby as baby is extracted slowly that gives time for the mucus to expel from baby as well delay bathing you know the benefits of obviously keeping you know the vernix on baby is going to give long-term you know health improvements as well and protect baby from any viruses parasites or bacteria so these are things you can ask for and still achieve a beautiful birth if you have to go see section Wow, I'm learning so much. So you, I literally had to shut up because I wanted to hear everything that you had to say. So you saying that during a C-section, this is all the stuff that you can ask for. I remember the screen being in the way. I remember the cords on my chest and I didn't do skin to skin. I do remember not latching my baby immediately. With a prem baby, it was different because she had to go to ICU. But I do remember holding her and then, you know, you do your signature selfie, the, the one that you're going to put on Facebook. <laughs> But then you have to give the baby back. So are you, if it's a wild baby, are you able to keep the baby longer? 
You can ask them to do gentle suctioning of baby while baby's on your chest. And then obviously they might just take baby, you know, to go and just, you know, check baby's weight, size, et cetera, um, and appearances and grimace and all of those things that baby can come straight back to you, you know, assuming all is well with you and baby. And if you can't go skin to skin, you know, dad can go skin to skin. It's about you going in and saying, look, this is my ideal birth. You know, if I'm having a C-section, this is my ideal C-section. How can you meet me, you know, sort of on this plan? And then making sure you print out a list and give it to, you know, the theater sisters when you come in working with your your OB on this. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Therese, with natural birth and with a C-section, if the mommy is older, is it better to have a C-section just generally or is it still advisable to have natural birth even if the mom is older and giving birth for the first time? You know, I can only answer this by sharing a story with you. One of my mommies, and she said, I'm free to use her picture and her name anyway. She was over 40 and she came into class and she said, it's 18 years since I've had, since I had my last child. And she says, I'm having a C-section. And I said, that's fantastic, you know, but if you're going to, you know, go your route, you know, your options. Anyway, she stayed with us in class for three, you know, the three days we did classes. She left class and she said, I am having a C-section. I said, I hope you have a beautiful one. She contacted me six months later and she says, you know, Dean, uh, she says, I just want to tell you and share my birth story. After we left classes, my husband and I decided, now she's over 40 years of age, and she says, my husband and I decided we're going for natural. It's going to be better for me, better for baby. She says, I delivered a 4.2 kilogram baby, and he's healthy, he's happy, and I did well. In fact, I didn't even care in my perineum when I gave birth. She says, the last two pushes were really tough. She says, and I really called on God to help me on that situation. She says, but it was absolutely wonderful, and I would recommend it to anyone. She pushed. She did it. She pushed. I know. She says it took her two major pushes, and baby was out. Wow. Okay. Absolutely thrilled. So you know what? It's going to be a situation that your healthcare provider is going to check with you. Obviously, if you've got underlying conditions, that's going to change you know, outcomes. And you can always do trial of labor and go into labor and monitor it as you're going along. I spoke to a girlfriend of mine who lives in Zurich and she said to me, she was quite surprised about the the high rate of C-sections that we have in South Africa. Why is that? Oh, you're touching my bones on this conversation. Oh no, I didn't mean to. I'm just asking stuff that I really want our mommies to be informed about and dads. So controversial. I think it's time that guidance and obstetricians answer this question. But you know what? From observation, from what we've seen, is that a lot of the guidance and OBs have got patient overload. You're joking. You mean it's because their schedules are full? Yeah, they are full. I mean, to change gynees in the middle of your pregnancy, you'll find out how many moms, it's a, it's a battle. There's also, remember, gynees have to pay insurance of about 750000 I think it is. Or I don't know what it is this year, but last year's rate per annum. And we've got the culture of Sue here in South Africa when something goes wrong in childbirth. And that could be an impact. I don't know. It's something that we need to explore with gynees and OBs on this. We're interesting. We've chatted to a group of gynees, um, one of our wellness companies that we were working with was meeting with a group of guys. It was a couple of years ago, and they actually commented that they don't want to drive around at night because it's not safe. 
Um, so that was interesting as well that that came through. So, you know, it's combined factors. And obviously there's economics. I mean, I chatted to a guy the other day and he said, I only do C-sections because it's convenient for me. And he was upfront about it. What can you say? You know, I'm, hi, remember that Oso? <laughs> we need to go back to a midwifery model. Um, you know, our midwives are fully equipped and well experienced and do beautiful birthing here. We've got so many natural birthing facilities, midwifery driven facilities that you're able to work in that, in that model, you know, and that's technically how the system's supposed to work. You know, we're supposed to work through the midwifery model and if there is complications, the midwife will refer through to the, to the guiding OB. But we seem to have the reverse. As soon as someone falls pregnant, they go see a gynae as opposed to seeing a midwife or GP. If you could, and I mean, we love everyone's opinions and we value, as I love information. So I'm going to ask you, if you fall pregnant, what's the first You've checked and you think you are, you've missed two periods and you could be nine weeks. And who do you go and see first? You want a blood test? Okay, so we've done the blood test. You've confirmed you're pregnant. Where do you go first? You know, in terms of that, work with your GP and identify a midwife in your area. You know, meet with the midwife or even a doula already early on. Um, a doula is fantastic because they will guide you. They well, they know pretty much your area that you live in in terms of, you know, facilities and, and gynees and obstetricians that will support you, you know, natural birth or wife-related so, you know, meeting with a doula first off, I think, would be fantastic. Otherwise, a midwife as well if you don't have a doula in your area. And just finding out all your options and, you know, and they will do the initial measurements and, and check on you and baby. And um, from there, you'll go through, you know, and obviously if you're healthy, everything's open for you to have a beautiful, you know, Therese, no one wants to take me through the steps and I love honest commentary, so I need your help here. So C-section. Tell me exactly what happens and tell me my recovery time because after this I'm going to ask you about perineums and tearing and all that kind of stuff. So C-section, the baby's ready to come. You've made a time. The baby is coming at 12 p.m. on Thursday and doctor is ready and you are driving to the hospital and you arrive. There's something I need to state up front before we get into what are the steps and First and foremost, for irrespective of your birth option, identify that you are past your 39th week. There's a big drive, and it was a group of pediatricians here in South Africa that identified that if babies are extracted before the 39th week, we slow the growth, and there is, they've identified that there's a lot of long-term effects for a child extracted before the 39th week for a couple of reasons. Your brain, liver, and lungs are the last organs to fully develop in the last few weeks of pregnancy. And when we extract a child too early, our children could be faced with ADHD, ADD, and you know other potential learning disabilities. Also, there's a respiratory problems you know, um, that a child might have in being extracted early. So make sure that when you are booking that C-section that you are past your 39th week and understand that sometimes the gestation week period is up possibly by a week. So if you're booking in at 39, you might only actually be 38. So speaking to your healthcare provider, to your OB about it, saying, 
you know, can we delay it just a further week more just to make sure we're through the gestation period because, you know, I want to give full benefit to baby. So that's sort of the first step. Then obviously once you've booked your bed and you obviously have authorized them to hospitals yeah, in terms of South African context, you will go in and, you know, and this is where you need to have sat down and had meeting notes prior to the C-section. This, you know, specifying to the healthcare provider what it is exactly you want to occur during that C-section. So you would need to pack your bag and make sure you've got your music, you've got your aromatherapy, you know, candle or smeller that you can just have that will settle you. You need to practice deep breathing. And that's where childbirth classes do help because you learn those aspects of it. You learn your options in a C-section as well. But doing your deep breathing, you know, everyone does have some form of anxiety. C-section is major surgery. It is abdominal surgery. And when as soon as you have had your epidural or spinal block administered, you know, and they start cutting into your abdomen, you know, the mom's anxiety levels go up. She needs a partner who's there, reassuring her, loving her, you know, being with her, telling her it's okay and she's doing fine. Um, as well as music playing in the background for mom and let her deep breathe through those moments because that also keeps her vital sounds, you know, lowered, you know, her blood pressure and her heart rate and she's just a lot calmer through that C-section as well. That's, that's really important is that she's got good support of her partner with her by her side during that time period. She's obviously, you know, they're going to be cutting to the abdomen, displacing the bladder, and, um, you know, within about five to ten minutes, baby's extracted from the womb, and then it's about another 35 minutes. Mom's going to hear suctioning. She's going to smell when they cauterize, you know, any veins, etc. So she's going to smell burning, and those are things and sounds that she's going to hear I remember. I remember how surprised I was because it was my skin that they were burning, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember now that smell. I remember I asked doctor what the smell was and I was basically meditating while you're going through the steps. Okay, wait. So, so now they've sewed you up, please God, and the baby's fine. And then what? You're going to have a catheter in, in you for about another 24 hours. And um, your vaginal bleeding is the same as, as NDD. You're going to be you know, bleeding as blood red and clots. So that's still there. So even though you didn't give birth through your vagina, you still have to pack sanitary towels and you have to be prepared for a very big period. A hundred percent. You know, you know <laughs> I always tease moms and I say, you know that period you missed out on during pregnancy? Well, it comes back to you. <laughs> All at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so gear up and have lots of maternity pads <laughs> and the big ones okay don't don't be shy don't go tiny what's the recovery period on a on a c-section see you 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 want to laugh about this even more oh my word i've got stories around this Doris. Oh, i know i just want to give mom some tips here as well you know she's going to go to post uh, the post recovery room for about 19 minutes and then go back to water you know she must also ask for baby to stay with her during this time period and not be removed from her and to delay bathing for at least 24 hours unless there's cultural or religious issues then sort of the minimum is eight hours. She'll be in hospital about three days and then she'll be home. But for six weeks, you are down on ice. There is no driving, no sex, no lifting anything heavier than three kilograms. You're going to have a pillow to support your abdomen at all times to support, you know, even if you cough or sneeze, you might want to try football positions, um, football holds for breastfeeding so that you don't put pressure on your abdomen. And your healthcare provider will tell you when you can bathe again. You're going to have to look out for any 
chills, fever, if there's any leaking in the incision um, or swelling or redness, any foul smelling, that you don't get any delayed infections from the C-section. You'll need to speak to the doctor as well about medications that you're going to be taking for the C-section and post-recovery that they are breastfeeding friendly and that you don't end up, you know, very groggy yourself or, or baby's groggy as well. So those are things you need to chat through when you go into this. Whereas natural birth, you can deliver at home and an hour later you up and but wait, Darice, I have questions because you see, I've never experienced a natural birth. The only, the only experience around a natural birth, I'll never forget. It was a friend of mine. We were skipping rope and she said, are you also peeing? And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, that's because you haven't delivered a baby naturally. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Honorda. So wait, okay. I once paged through the maternity book, you know, the book that's, that's preparing you for birth. And I saw it was one of the old fashioned books. So I, I read many and in this book I'll never forget it was a blue book and the lady was sitting looking in a mirror and her partner was holding her and he was busy massaging her perineum because they were trying to show you how he needs to be massaging your perineum area first of all leading up to the birth if you're going to do a natural birth is this a truth like does massaging the perineum help is one not just able to have sex and it will uh, make it easier to deliver so take us from the stage of of massaging the perineum to when the birth happens and also recovery you know what perineum massages do help and you do want to start them and it's fantastic there's about four different exercises you can do for perineum and basically we're teaching that whole area to expand and contract we're getting moms used to that, what we call the ring of fire. You know, as babies, you know, babies crying in the head exits the vagina, there's a stinging sensation. And with mom having done perineum massages during pregnancy, that's going to ease. And she could reduce the risk of tearing you know, quite significantly by having done perineum massages. Why does it sting? Because your vagina is stretched to its maximum to allow baby's head and shoulders through. And then it's those it's a few moments and then it's instant relief once the body comes through. And what helps is at that stage is if dad can do perineum compression. So whether that could be or the midwife or doula will with a cold or warm pack on the perineum, just keeping pressure on that's going to ease mom and give her some relief during that time period. So... That's why perineum massages are recommended during pregnancy. All right. So now you, yeah, no, it definitely answered it. You are in labor or you think you are. How do you know that it's real labor and that it's not just Braxton Hicks or that it's false labor? Well, if you've got consistent abdominal tightening and it's persistent and it's every 10 or 15 minutes and your contractions or you know, abdominal tightening is longer than you know, 20, 30 seconds, that could be an indication. But if you're sort of at 37 weeks, you also need to look out for whether it's, it's preterm labor. You're going to look out for your mucus plug if you pass your mucus plug or if your waters break. Waters could also just trickle out or you could just have dampness in your panties. You're going to do a smell check to see if it's not urine or is it your actual waters. And obviously, you, you know, that's going to be persistent. And ideally, you're going to stay at home until your contractions are about five minutes apart. Your contractions are about a minute long. Darice, it sounds too close. <laughs> five minutes. Five minutes apart. Renata, how close is your hospital? <gasps> but then won't the baby come if it's five minutes apart? 
No, 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 not at all. Your cer- it all depends on your cervix and your dilation. You know, at home, when your contractions are about five minutes, and this is sort of a general, remember for every woman it's going to be different. I've had first-time mommies who've gone into labor from the start of labor till the end of baby birth in four and a half hours, five hours. But, you know, typically a first mom could labor up until, you know, 15 to 20 hours. So be aware it's going to be different for each person. And sort of the indication is when do we go to hospital is when you're at sort of what we call the 511 principle. You know, contractions are five minutes apart, they're about a minute long, and that happens consistently for an hour. You know, then we know we've got, a, you know, probably you're about three or four centimeters dilation then, and then you'll go to hospital and you'll move into, when you get to hospital, what is known as the active labor part could last about three or four hours till, you know, you move into, you know, your transition and then obviously crowning and descent and birth. There's no race in natural birth. There's no rush. You do not need to buy a Subaru and drive your wife to hospital 180. It's all good. <laughs> you know, that'll call, you know, trigger the hormone adrenaline, which will put her in fight and flight and probably stall the labor. You know, doing it calmly and wonderfully and peacefully is the way to go. You're four centimeters dilated and you're saying this pain is unbearable. That's it. I've given up. I want an epidural. I'm going for a C-section. <laughs> You've got, if you've got a doula and a midwife with you, they're going to encourage you through that moment and they're going to let you just let your hormones, it's about having the right environment. Your environment triggers a lot of reactions and if you're fighting and creating tension and resisting what your body naturally knows, your body, your body grew this baby, your body knows how to birth this baby and as soon as you yield and just sort of, and I love the word surrender to it and understand that this is a beautiful process and don't tense, you know, deep breathe through the contraction. So when you feel that contraction start, you know, you take a deep breath, you know, in through your nose and blow out and just breathe. And remember, a, a, a contraction is not like a, a migraine. A migraine, the pain is there all the time. You're going to have a contraction for a time period and then you're going to have a rest. And then you're going to have another contraction, and then you're going to rest. It works through like that. So it is like waves. So, you know, create a visualization for yourself. See yourself going through, okay, you know, here's six waves, or here's my first wave, and it's crashing in, and now it's receding. And then you've got a break, and then the next wave comes. Wonderful. Oh, you make it sound beautiful. I wish I had another baby now. Okay, you've got to speak to your hubby on that one. I know. I'm going to phone him right now. <laughs> This is all very exciting for me and I know that I'm laughing through some of the moments and it's only because I remember my own experience and with my first baby I knew nothing and that's why Parenting Baby Brunch exists because I realized how very little I know and that I wanted to support other moms to know more. And I, I hear you speak and how, how wonderful you make it sound as a, as a childbirth educator and that this is your passion too, to help so many parents. How do I find, and I want to ask this and then I want, I want to have your advice, like the one thing you want moms to either leave the hospital or if they've had a home birth, what to, to ask the doula or the midwife. How do you find a reliable midwife or doula? I remember starting out the process of looking for a doula and then, I thought, could I give birth in front of this woman? And I thought, she's so sweet and amazing, but maybe I just want my husband to be there, you know, and, and that's the only reason I canceled. And eventually I couldn't have a natural birth. How do you find a midwife and a doula? Is it an interview process? Do you get allocated one? How do you find the right person to help you through this journey? Typically, if 
you at working with your GP and you've identified you're pregnant, you know, you can ask your GP already for area recommended midwives. You know what? The best thing is go onto Facebook sites that are, you know, focused on, for example, natural birthing South Africa. You've got a host of, or even go onto doulas of South Africa or go onto a website www.homebirth.org.za and you're able to put out the question saying, um, has anyone else had experiences with this midwife with their birth and can they share that experience? And getting that feedback, you know, gives you a bit more discernment into the midwife that you possibly going to work with. And then obviously gaining insight from other moms' experiences and setting up your own list of questions of what you want to achieve as well for your birth. There's a host of resources. You can um, Google, you know, as I said, doulas of South Africa. Um, they're on Facebook as well as website, homebirth.org.za available. And in there you'll find the most willing team that will come back to you and say, yeah, you know, here's info, this hospital, this birthing facility, I had this experience and it was wonderful, this midwife, and people will give you that feedback as well. And rather have feedback from people who've lived the experience so you're able to engage with them and, and ask them the relevant questions that you need to know around that midwife. Obviously, if you meet that midwife and you're not getting a connection and you're not feeling that you can engage with this person, you can, I mean, just say to her quite honestly, look, I'm not making a connection. I'd like to set up an appointment with someone else and that you can find someone that you connect with better. I know that there's, because I've heard you speak, I know that you do a beautiful demonstration on kegeling and exercises around that. So, I mean, there, there are stuff that we haven't touched on which you can do through birth education or through your, your antenatal classes. But if you had to leave one thought with us, I mean, I remember leaving the hospital with my first baby and we were inundated with guests and lots of information and people that wanted to come past because they wanted to see the baby and they had access to the hospital for some reason. So I remember leaving the hospital not being able to breastfeed and my baby lost a lot of weight, you know. So with my second baby, the one thing I learned before leaving with this little prim little gem, we we figured out how to breastfeed in hospital. So if there's one thing you can leave with our parents in this whole birthing process in educating ourselves, what would it be? One thing I would want to tell every mom, skin to skin, latching immediately and exclusive breastfeeding for six months. Get a lactation consultant to come visit you at home and help you and guide you. That is the best that you can do for your child. The health benefits are phenomenal. And if I could wish every mother to just do that, that's all I could say. I also want to say that Doris started off this conversation mentioning that the reason she has a passion for this program and also the things that she teaches other parents is because hers didn't work out picture perfect initially. And the reason why I have such a passion and want to educate our moms and want to help you and support you so much is because mine wasn't picture perfect. And so not all of us can be like the education book and have it all work out seamlessly. But that's why we're all here for each other. And that's why we say, you know what? Everyone has a different story, a different approach. And however your story is shaped, that is your normal and that is your beautiful. And we acknowledge that and we're here for you. Therese, how do we get hold of you if we want to stalk you in the night and say, help, I've changed my mind. I No, I'm kidding. How do we find you? Don't laugh. I get WhatsApp from moms at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> um, you're welcome to email me at D-E-R-Y-S for sugar, E, at, and here comes a difficult one, Sururu Bailey, S-E-R-U-R. 
R-U-B-E-L-E dot B-I-Z. So Rudu Bailey is a Setswana for Butterfly. Well, you're a butterfly. Thank you. You see, I can see everyone rewinding the podcast now to try and get the <laughs> to try and get the email address. <laughs> you are a star. We love you very much, and thank you for what you're doing for all of us. Oh, Lana, thank you so much, and thank you for being so open about your experiences and giving moms courage and empowering moms to find out as much as they can. You are a blessing to us all too. You have no idea. Baby Brunch, the parenting series, is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility, and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth, we let you be you.